Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we have a very, 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 very special guest that Tony's going to introduce. This is Mark McKibben. Dakota originally knows him because he was his sales trainer at Glenbrook Hyundai when Dakota first got started in sales. This man owns School of Rock just off of Coldwater Road here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We're going to be asking him some questions, learning more about him today. Yeah, thanks for coming on, bro. Thanks for having me. First <laughs> podcast. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I like it, dude. Yep. All right, so first thing, I told you we were going to talk about the my, like, uh, life lesson that I've got from you. And I've told this story, like I tell you, once a month. Okay. And that was uh, my first interaction with you. I don't know if you remember it as much as I remember it. I can picture it in my head. I don't remember it verbatim, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so the first time I met you was um, I just got done with a, like an hour and a half interview with Rob Carr. Okay. And then I come over to you, and then you're asking me like the exact same question. I was like, uh, oh, you're asking me the same thing. Is that normal? And you're like, yeah, it's, it's basically the same question. I just want to get to know you too. So anyway, after the end of the interview, you were just like, all right, so $300 a week okay? And I'm like, No. That won't really, I can't survive on that way. You're like, well, you're not really bringing a whole lot to the table here. <laughs> and, and I was like, uh, I was like um, okay. And um, yeah, basically you're just like, all right, $400 a week. And it was $400 a week gross. So basically I was making no money and then got training and stuff. But um, yeah, I was like, uh, I guess the lesson is one is I didn't have anything to offer. So you're 100% right at the time. Like, I mean, I was a landscaper. You had no idea. So my first like question 20, is... 20 years old? Yeah, I was yeah. 20 years old, just freaking working landscaping. But I guess my first question is, and like you had to interview a lot of people, how do you find a good salesperson? Like how do you interview? What do you look for and stuff? Gotcha. Well, first of all, it's hard to find a good salesperson. I'm sure you guys know that. So I wish I knew exactly how. But for me, you got to be able to talk to somebody, right? And you got to be... Because you know, sales, it's good to memorize things. And <clears throat> excuse me, obviously, you have to know your product and that stuff. But if you can't convey that to another person, it really doesn't do a whole lot. So uh, I was always looking for personal personal people that could talk to somebody, carry on a conversation, that kind of stuff. And I remember I, I remember specifically interviewing people that could hardly carry on a conversation, couldn't get out two words. And then I would ask them, like, why do you think you'd be good in sales? And they're like, because oh, I'm a people person. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, have you ever talked to yourself? I mean, I guess you don't talk to yourself. But um, so for me, sales, honestly, I, I remember my dad actually told me one time, he goes, uh, you know, I'll take somebody with average ability and above average desire every day of the week. You know what I mean? So yeah. I want somebody that's outgoing, that's willing to, you know, get out there and can talk to people and be personable. And um, and so that's the main thing for me, you know, and, and hopefully they, they take the tools I give them and try to use them and not try to be too hard-headed, hard-headed about it. But I don't, they don't need to know everything. Can you talk to people? That's kind of the first thing as far as I'm concerned. Yep. How did you uh, actually, like, obviously at Joe Verde and stuff, how did you make your, um, like, sales training? Because, mm -hmm. like, that's something that I'm, like, trying to figure out now. So I'm, like, training other salespeople and stuff, and I feel like you were the best sales trainer because you were very good at making people engage, getting them to say and stuff. Like, how did you learn how to do all of that stuff and get people excited? Yeah, yeah. So a couple things. Um, you know, I... I Luckily for me, I've been to a lot of sales training, right? And every time I go, I learn something. And so I'd go to one and I'd hear something like, man, that makes a lot of sense. And I go to another one, I'm like, oh, I like that word track or whatever. And so what I ended up doing by the time you got there is I kind of cherry picked my favorite things from all of the training I'd gotten and tried to mash it together. Um, and so that's, that, that's a good part of it. But uh, one thing I learned early on 
<clears throat> is in I, I, now I especially have to use this when I'm working with younger people, and, and it's weird because you know some of my instructors are musicians; they don't think like we do, you know. Yep. Um, but you know, f- first thing is repetition is the mother of all learning. You can't tell somebody once and expect them to get it. That's you know, and I'm guilty of that sometimes. I'll t- even if I like a hire a new studio coordinator, so I'm like, okay, here's how you put that in. And then a couple days later, she does it wrong. I'm like, what takes wrong with you? I told you how to do it, but I told her one time. It was two days ago, so you can't get upset about that. So the, the one thing is you got to, you know, we used to do training every single day. Mm-hmm. And make, I would make people say it out loud over and over and over again. Because I know that's what it took for me to learn it. I didn't just, like, read it one time and boom, I got it. I know knew that I had to say it over and over to get it. So if I have to, so will they. So not just saying, you know, here it is, and not just saying here it is, practice it. Make them do it. Like, just make them do it over and over and over and over. And they're going to be like, this is nauseating. But what you want to do is get to the point where you don't think about it. It just comes out. So so that's the first thing is, is the, repeti- the repetition and then and then literally forcing people to do it over and over. And it's no different than a musical instrument. And then the other thing is um, <clears throat> telling people what to do. I know that sounds kind of, you know, direct. But, um, like, one of the biggest mistakes, I'll get it now, is, hey, everybody pair up. And then we're going to work on this. And the people start walking around like, uh, uh, like you can't tell people to pair up. People are stupid. And I don't mean that in, in, in a derogatory. People are not stupid, but people are just, you know, uncomfortable. You know, I don't know. So you got to say you and you, you and you, you and you, or A, B, A, B, okay, all the A's go over here, all the B's go over there. Just mm. direct people, tell them what to do, and then make them do it over and over and over again. I mean, it sounds, I mean, that's how they do in the military. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, all right make a crew and then we're gonna you know it's like they they tell you exactly what to do they make you do it over and over again and so that's what i learned was that when you give people freedom they just kind of aren't sure where to go to go with it and that's why they're in training because they don't know right so don't take anything for granted just tell people what to do make them do it over and over again and then eventually be ingrained in their brains and that's how they can and execute the stuff that you're trying to teach them. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We give you marketing strategies like how to pull lists, who we target, and where we find the money. We go over sales, which includes live calls and negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's anything that we missed, we will create a video to answer your specific question. This knowledge has made us over a million dollars and we're selling it today for just $997. Click the link below. Well, yeah. And I heard one of the most important things in order to uh, have the most fun is drumsticks. Dakota said you guys used to bang on yeah. the desks upstairs, the old... The old uh, I can't remember what those things are called. Just the the way that it was laid out, it was older. You guys were just slamming drumsticks and shouting things yeah. like mantras and just yeah, like yeah. getting yeah. everybody hyped up oh, before yeah, work. Yeah. That was fun. I'd love to say that I thought of that on my own. I actually got that from Paul Cummings. Did you ever do any Paul no, Cummings training? Okay. I didn't. Uh, <clears throat> so one of the trainings we did was a guy named Paul Cummings. He's the one who came up with that, uh, the creed, you know. Really? I promised to begin okay. today. And I can tell Dude, you, let's say the creed right now. <laughs> say it out. You got it? No, I don't got it. <laughs> I haven't said it in years. But I hereby promise to begin today to manifest the personal greatness I know lies within me, to improve the quality of my life, to learn more, laugh more, care more, share more, and risk more. I control my personal destiny, and I recognize if it is to be, it is up to me. This is the day in my life. I summon the courage to face my fears and turn them into the stepping stones of success. Every day, every time, without fail, no exceptions. Oh my God, that was awesome. That was crazy. I don't remember last time I said it, but um, but so I did training with him. It was in he had this like ranch or something in um, 
where was that? Chattanooga, Tennessee, or something like that. And so it was the most odd training that you ever go. You know, normally you go, it's like three days, you get there in the morning. Well, his started at four o'clock on a Sunday night. So you get there Sunday, it starts at 4 p.m. You're like, what the heck? And so he's got everybody out on this balcony outside of the, where the training room was, and they had like water and coffee, and everybody's kind of just getting ready. And then we walked in, and it was like a concert. Like, it was dark, there was lights, music was blaring. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> and you know me, right? I was like, this is my yeah, kind of like, training right it. here, yeah. And so uh, he had drumsticks laid out for everybody. And so everybody just started grabbing them, banging them, and that's how we started every day. And, oh, and yeah. of course, I just connected immediately with that. I was like, dude, I love this. And so I thought, you know, nobody does this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm doing this. I, I'm going back and I'm doing it. And that's just what's going to happen. Yep. And then uh, so I kind of stole that and went. But it's kind of funny because he, he was very adamant about, he had this journal that you had to go through, and that creed was in the front of the journal. Yep. And, and it's kind of funny just how this worked out. He said, because he, he would give the teams points, and then you could win and, and whatever. And, and he made it very clear on day one that you're going to want to memorize this creed. He's like, you're going to want to memorize this. You know, he didn't say do it tomorrow and whoever does it first, yada yada yada. He just kind of made it, made it made it known that you you want to memorize this. So it, every team had a captain. I was a captain of my team, and uh, and so the next morning I made sure I got downstairs early because I'm the captain. I gotta be down there first, make sure I'm here when everybody else comes down. And so I'm sitting there and like, where's everybody at? I'm like, well, I guess I'm kind of early. He's like, I guess I'll I'll just read this creed. You know what I mean? So I just started reading it, and I do have kind of a good memory, right? So I'm reading it over and over again. And then, uh, and with not tr literally trying to memorize it, but just I knew that I should, so I'm reading it. And then they come, we eat breakfast, we go to the thing. And then one of the first things he does in the morning, he's like, all right, did anybody memorize that creed? Then nobody raises their hand. And he's like, nobody? And I'm like, well, I just read it. I, I think I kind of know it, you know what I mean? So I'm like, uh. And uh, so he pulls me up on a stage, oh and I get on the front of the mic, and I'm like, I hereby promise. And I was really slow, but it was just, it was like just coming mm -hmm. to me. And like, I regurgitated it barely and it came out everyone was like ah, <laughs> and uh and so i was like from yeah, that, from i got that moment, every morning now yeah yeah <laughs> from that moment, I was like, i'm sold um so yeah I, I stole the idea from from paul cummings training but then uh and then i just took it ran with it and you know it's fun that's awesome dude yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a little bit more to that too. So whenever we did it every morning, you like tried to say that as powerfully as loud and yeah. like as crazy as you could <laughs> get everybody all hyped up and uh, you know it's funny is I've told a lot of people this but I never actually told you so if uh, if the car business was the same as whenever you left mm -hmm. I don't think that I would have been in the car business like I probably would have got out because it was like it was so serious and it was so uh -huh. about like okay like we're gonna do this and like you had to make the most profit and like they didn't really like it seemed like the caringness almost went away and then the fun went away dude when you were there I was like dude as soon as we started playing the drumsticks, like that was my first day too. I was like, yeah. oh dang, this is this is it, man. Uh, this is like what I want to do. And so, like, yeah, you got me really started, and then I got kind of weaned into it, you know. And then mm -hmm. I finally got serious, which is fine because right. it all changed and developed. But yeah, if uh, if you weren't there and made it fun in the beginning, I don't think I don't think I would have stayed. Yeah, I don't think I would have stayed that long either. As long as I did, if I didn't do something different. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while to get there, you know, in the beginning, you know, because my dad was such a you know, presence, and he had done it his way for so long. Yep. I thought I have to try to be him or emulate him or do yep. whatever he did, and it and it didn't work. You can't. It, one right. thing that, that Paul Cummings always said too was, um, if you don't make a good you, you can be a terrible somebody else or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can't try to be somebody else. And so it took me a few years to finally figure out. You know, I need to try to do things my own way because um, there is more than one way to skin a cat. So if I want to enjoy this and keep doing it, I got to do it 
differently than what he did. Yep. How much uh, how much kickback did you get? Because I remember, I mean, even like the other salespeople and other guys were like, oh, this is so stupid. And like, they were just talking crap the whole time about yeah. it. I was like, dude, I love it. Yeah. So I don't care what you guys say. Like, uh, I mean, Brian complained about it sometimes. Too. I'm like, Brian? Yeah, Brian, uh, the guy that hated me. Uh, what's his last name? I must have, I must have blocked the, him out. No, you know him. The tall, the tall blonde. Um, he's like a bigger dude. Is he or bad? not blonde. He's bald. Okay. Bald. Oh, Brian White. Yes, yeah, Brian White. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yes. He like would just be like, yes, it's so stupid. And then like he's like, don't listen to this. And like, uh, but how much like kickback did you get from like, let's say your dad or from uh -huh. other managers or from other stores? Did they all make fun of you or are they just like? Uh, my dad was pretty cool with it. Like he kind of let me do my thing. I, I, you know, I'll give him some some props there. Like he, he's like, man, as long as, long as, you, as long as you get results, you do it your way. That's yep. fine. So he was good with it. Uh, I think some of the other managers thought I was a little kooky. You know what I mean? Like especially the Dodge store, they were they were more like they always wanted to rib everybody. Yes. You know what I mean? And they always wanted to do goofy stuff like that. But um, but uh, salesmen all the time, like they always. This is the, I mean, I got it all the time. But you know, whatever. You know, if yeah. you listen to other people, then you're never gonna do what you yep. want to do. So it's I I always said uh, he had a lot of good ones. One was I'd rather be goofy and rich than cool and poor. You yep. know what I mean? So. Yep. I, you know, it's I, I get it now too at the school. People are like, man, you're loud, or you say weird stuff, or and I always tell them, hey, weird is just a side effect of being awesome. No so, question. So that's that's what that's about. Yeah, I remember uh, Ed Milet, a guy that I listened to, actually he said, weird, rich, normal, poor. So he says yeah. basically the same thing yeah. as you're saying, and he's like a I don't know multi-millionaire, and right. he's like, dude, you're supposed to be weird, you're supposed to be different, and uh, yeah, I was I was really appreciative of it. I, I thought it was really fun. It is. Well, that's what people remember. They don't remember normal interactions no. they remember unique interactions and, and something that's different than what you're, they're used to and how you made them how you made them feel yeah and like i remember uh, you always made everybody feel like they could do it feel important and uh -huh. like feel happy and yeah. like dude that was like that's important for sales too is like mm. you know getting that energy up and stuff so like i mean that was something that i feel like you were really good at is keeping a positive mindset which is in my opinion some of the most important thing in sales because like you know you don't sell a car for a couple weeks yeah and you're like dude you're down but if you're like drumming and getting happy every day oh, yeah. it's hard to stay down yep so it's a good state change it is state change state change. <laughs> uh so in a perfect example of that if you look at school of rocks reviews online like on google we got five star review Yep. And if you read the reviews, it's not my kid shreds on guitar. My girl's the best drummer that's ever walked here. It's, it's they build confidence. Everybody there's so nice. It's such an upbeat, positive environment. My kid loves to go to. Yep. You know what I mean? That's it's all about how they feel. Yep. It's not about how good they are on their instruments, and they are good on their instruments too. But yeah. Um. And so that's. To your point, that's exactly what's important. Yep, that's awesome. Well, now I know that all of the years that Dakota told me I was a little bit weird, it's all actually a term, term of endearment. That's right. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's a compliment every time. It depends on what kind of weird. Uh, yeah. There are a few different Yeah. Types. There are. Tony uh, goes a little too far and... Never mind, we won't even say it on the podcast. Just wait for the short form videos. Uh, <laughs> I was going to do a Trump impression for one of our... No, that kind of weird is form. fine. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. whenever we start talking about sexual stuff when yeah. I'm like, all right, dude, too far. Yeah. Just stop talking about it. No, I don't want to know. Don't even talk about it. So uh, we sometimes lay the foundation for this question as... Uh, everybody's just a kid from somewhere. Uh -huh. It looked like I was trying to do some research and trying to figure out where you came from. Okay. It, were you originally from Texas? No, I was born in Florida. Mine oh, Florida. okay. Yeah. So I've lived here my whole life pretty much. Okay, good deal. Yeah. And then what was it like growing up? And uh, did you grow up, did your dad already have money when you grew up? Mm -hmm. Or did you see him 
build gotcha. as you grew up? That's a great question. So I was born in Miami, Florida, and my parents moved here when I was 18 months old. So th- thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> uh, but uh, And then I lived in the same house from 18 months to 18 years old. So my, my basically my whole childhood was, was this house in Hacienda Village. I don't know if you know where that's at. It's over by Arlington Park on the yeah. northeast side of town. Hmm. So I grew up out northeast. That was my old stomping grounds. Um, you know, I remember seeing, you know, in Northwood, uh, it used to be the Cinema Grill. It's closed now, but that was like the movie theater that I'd go to. I saw E.T. there and Back to the Future and like that. <laughs> yeah. And then my buddy lived over on the other side. We'd hang out in Georgetown and so in that kind of area. Um, <clears throat> and so I don't know what all you know about my dad's story, but he uh, started as a car salesman and kind of worked his way up through the through the dealerships, became a GM in Florida wow. at, a, at a Trail Dodge in Miami, Florida, and then he wanted to buy his own dealership. So him and another guy, and my dad's actually born and raised in Orland, Indiana, which is a little country town up, up the road here. So they found out that this Lumberg Dodge was called Fort Wayne Dodge at the time was for sale, and so they decided to buy it. But I said, I'll go home. And so that's why they moved up here, and this was in 79. I was born in 77. Wow. And, uh, and I don't remember things back then, but apparently the economy wasn't very good. So um, so after one year, the other dude bounced, and my dad ended up buying him out. And so um, I grew up, I never wanted for anything. Like, I never, you know, couldn't eat or any of those things. But a lot of people are, are of, and even back then, like when I was in high school, were of the misconception that I, you know, was really well off and got whatever I wanted, and that wasn't the case at all. Um, my dad was, you know, they say it's like... It takes 10 years to make an overnight success or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. He busted his ass for a long time. And when I was a kid, he was at, I mean, you associated dad with work. He wasn't there a lot. You know I mean? He was working. He came home late with his tie on, um, usually not in a chipper mood because he was busting his ass all day. And, and I never felt like, um, you know, he, I was missing out on anything. I never thought, felt like he wasn't there. I just thought that's what dads do. Dad goes to work yeah. and works all day. My, my mom didn't work, so mom stays home, takes care of the kids. Dad works all day and that's the way life is. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before and we've tried several different CRMs and Ari Simply has been the best. Ari Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records your incoming phone calls. The system is simple to use and has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try Ari Simply today. We put the link in the description. Check it out now. And we never wanted for anything, but there were tons of things I did want and that I didn't get. You know what I mean? So yeah. there was all that too. I remember kids in my neighborhood ride up and down on their sprees, and I was like, "Dad, I want a spree." He's like, "Nah, you're not getting one." You know. <laughs> so I didn't get anything I wanted, but I but I, I had a comfortable life for sure. And um, and so that's what I remember. Is my mom? You know, she was a very loving mother. Like yeah. she loved that that role. And um, you know, so. I guess I played every sport at one point because I think my dad, you know, try soccer, try, you know, this, try that, and I never really took on any of them. And he would go to the games I went to, but, you know, music was my passion. So I started playing music. I got into a band. And uh, it wasn't until probably after I opened the school, my dad never saw me play music live anywhere in high school, wow. never came to any of these shows. But I never thought, well, my dad's not here. Like, I never felt like that was missing. Now, on the flip side of that, my mom was at everything. Even places I didn't want her, you know what I mean? Like, so I was in high school, and we're, like, trying to party and stuff, and she'd be in the back with the big video camera, like, videotaping our show. Oh, my gosh. So, so yeah, so growing up, it was just, you know, like I said, it was was a comfortable life. I, I felt it was a good life. Um, but I wasn't, we weren't spoiled and he didn't have a ton of money from the, from the beginning. He was very pragmatic and, and thrifty about every single thing he did. And he really kind of nailed that into us, you know, like he would, he wouldn't, you know, let you do anything unless you got three quotes, you know what I mean? Or yeah. whatever. And, 
And so uh, he made me pay for things. Like my first guitar, now my first, uh, I'm trying to remember now, my, I mean, I got my first guitar for my birthday in fifth grade or something like that, but I want an electric guitar. And so he, uh, he said, uh, okay, well, I can't remember, if you, you get the money for it, and he goes, and whatever you get, I'll match. And I had paper out at the time. So I saved as much money I could. I think it was like 250 bucks. And then he matched it, so I got a $500 guitar, awesome. right? So he didn't just give me stuff. Like, he always kind of instilled that in, in us to make sure that you, you know, you save money, just throw it around willy-nilly and that kind of thing. Um, other things about growing up, I mean, I lived in the neighborhood back in those days. It was different than it was now. You take off on your bike and ride around all day, you know what I mean? And yep. come back when it got dark. And I don't know, it was just, it was just a different time. It seems like your you know your neighbors were your friends. You'd ride down the streets. He was there, hang out, and all that kind of stuff. So that was that was kind of my my childhood and growing up and all that kind of stuff. What about uh, so, for people that don't know, your brother is Matt McKibben, mm -hmm. who kind of like was more of like that sports yeah. kind of oh, guy, yeah. and uh, um, you know he's like the I don't know he's he's even more of a salesperson than you are. Oh, yeah, you're, big you're, time. Yeah, so he's like really big on that. So well, maybe even you. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I would consider Matt probably one of the best salespeople I've ever seen in Absolutely. my entire life. Yeah. Um, but how did that play out? Like, was there any, like, they kept going, like, did your dad go to his basketball games and his sports yeah, and stuff? Yeah, he did. Okay. So, and he came to mind, too. Like, there are just so few of them, right? Yeah. I remember uh, he'd come to my <laughs> soccer game, you know what I mean? But I, that but it was very short-lived. But, uh, you know, I took golf lessons as a kid. I hated it. My, my brother liked it, so they would go golfing all the time. And he would take me golfing, too. He would try to take me golfing, but I didn't want to go. It was boring, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't like he was avoiding me. He's like, let's go golf. Oh, man, I don't want to do this. And then it was four hours of just torture. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, so Matt was very naturally athletic. Yeah. And he loved sports. Yep. And and so my dad was very much into that. And so they not only would he Matt do a lot of sports, he'd go to sports games. They would go to like Notre Dame basketball games and whatever. So they'd go to sporting events together. Yep. But um, but you know on the flip side of that, the very first concert I ever went to, my dad took me to that. This That's is awesome. Actually, a kind of funny story if, if we got time. Yeah. But uh, so the first concert I ever saw was in third grade. It was Huey Lewis in the News. I don't know if you guys are even familiar with. I feel like I've heard of oh it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Have you seen Back to the Future? Yeah. yeah. You know the song Power of Love? It's the power of love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, and he actually has a little cameo in the movie. That's Huey Lewis in the News. He was big in the 80s. And I was a huge Huey Lewis in the News fan. And I actually, where I went to grade school, they had a lip sync contest. And so I was going to audition and do this Huey Lewis song. And he was coming to the Coliseum. And my dad said, hey, if you audition and you make it into the lip sync contest, I'll take you to the, to the concert. I'm like, all right. So I auditioned. I made it in. So my dad's taking me to this Huey Lewis concert. So he was working that night, <clears throat> and so my mom is going to take me to meet him at a restaurant so we can eat dinner and then go to the Huey Lewis concert. So we meet the restaurant. He's full suit, right, because that's the way he dressed every day. So he's got full suit. We eat. We go to the Huey Lewis concert. I've never been to a concert in my life, so I have zero expectation. I don't know what to do. So we're sitting in these chairs, and the opener comes out, and we're just sitting there. He's sitting in his suit and all this. And then Huey Lewis comes out, and everybody stands up. <laughs> yeah. But I don't because I don't know if I'm supposed to. He doesn't because he doesn't, I don't think he wants to. So right. we're sitting there, and Huey Lewis is playing. Everybody's going crazy. And these girls are, like, you know, dancing around. And they kind of make their way in front of us. And so we can't see. So my dad literally taps them. He's like, tells them to move out of the way. <laughs> so he goes, like, move out of the way. So I'm in my seat bopping around. And he's like, looks at me. He's like, do you want to stand up? I'm like, well, yeah. He's like, well, then stand up. So I stand up. And I'm like, this whole concert. He just sat there. The whole concert in suit. Just sat there and watched. But, uh, so that, I mean, so he was there for me. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, he awesome, went and man. endured the concert in his suit the whole time. 
But um, but no, him and Matt did a lot of things together because they like sports and they were into sports and all that stuff. And I was going to the concerts, playing music, and and just screwing all my buddies and your stuff. Your dad, your dad was like you with golf, you know. He yeah. Was oh like, yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah. He, he's like, like, I'll do it. He endured it. He endured <laughs> it for me. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was and I love it though because uh, I remember when I was growing up, I was very much. I can relate to both now because I feel like I'm like, all right, I took like Matt's path a little bit more and got right. more salesperson and stuff. But when I was growing up, man, I was a skateboarder. Yeah. So I was the outcast. You yep. know, I was like nobody it was the same thing just like music and then after skateboarding then i got into music yeah i had long hair piercings and stuff uh -huh. and so like i was like my family was like all right like i don't know how to support you in this but right. i'll do my best that yeah. i can but like i feel like it's like kind of the different but again i still think that's like a, a really good thing because i feel like it it helps you to remember just like you talked about earlier like it doesn't matter and you got to be weird and be different yeah and like be that person yeah. so well, a couple things. I think, uh, you know, I was always trying to grow my hair long when I was a kid because yep. I wanted to be a rock star. Yeah. But my dad didn't, he came from the hippie generation. So he thought long mm -hmm. hair hippie. Yep. He didn't realize I'm trying to be like Motley Crue, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so he's like, what's wrong with this kid? But um, <clears throat> so yeah, it was just different expectations. But I also think, you know, he, he put a lot of stock and things like that back then. And I think he's kind of outgrown that. You know, I think in, in his day, you had to be clean cut. You couldn't have piercings, you couldn't have tattoos, all that stuff. Yep. It was just a, a no no. And I think it's, things have changed, obviously. I, People aren't as worried about that type of stuff now, but you know, it's old school. Yeah, let's talk about uh, um, your daughter and okay. uh, Mallory. So, yeah. like, uh, how has like your, you know, the way you grew up impacted the way that you are a father? Like, you know, that's a good question. I don't know that I've actually, uh, I don't, I've never parented, you know, and deliberately thought about okay, what happened to me, and now what am I going to do? Other than one one thing, I guess I will say. One time, this was several years ago, we were talking about life, you know, before she was getting close to graduation. And uh, and I mentioned something about, like, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, hey, you take over School of Rock. And she's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And then I thought, you know what? That's the end of that conversation. She's like, I'm not going to try to push her into something she doesn't want to do. Because yep. that's, you know, my dad really was adamant about me being part of the dealership. And it wasn't yep. something I was crazy about. So, so that was a deliberate thought I had. But for the most part, you know, with Mallory, I didn't really have a whole lot of time to plan. She was un she was unplanned child. And I did get a whole lot of heads up, too. Um, so it was just kind of like, all right, it's parenting time. Let's roll. And uh, I was learning on the fly big time. So that was the deal. But, you know, I don't know. I've always gotten along well with kids like me. I just yeah. always have liked kids. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, my oldest sister has four kids that are all in their 20s now. Um, so when I was in my early 20s, or actually my first nephew was born when I was 16. So from 16 to when Mallory was born, I always had little kids around that I was yeah. hanging out with, babysitting, taking to the movies, whatever. So kids didn't scare me. That never scared me. And um, and so when she was born, you know, it was really... How old were you when she was born? I was 28. 28, okay. Yeah, 28 years old. So not, I wasn't too young. But, um, you know, my thought was, like, it's a daughter, it's a girl. And so my philosophy was, I just need to love the shit out of her and make sure she knows she's loved, and then she'll be good, you know? Yep. And Because people always say, well, don't you want a boy? I'm like, hell no, I don't want a boy. <laughs> and I, they're like, why not? I was like, look. I have a hard enough time being a man myself. <laughs> now I got to teach somebody else how to do it. Like, are you kidding me? Like, girl, I just got to love the hell out of her. You know? And uh, there may be more to it than that. But I've tried to just make sure that she's, you know, independent, strong. You know what I mean? I don't want her to be, you know, like feel like she has to, you know, impress anybody or, yeah, or be, be a certain way. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I just, you know, and she's, she's turned out really good. I think I'm really lucky. I don't know how, how I got so lucky, honestly. But it was. It was just, you know, making sure that she was – you know, independent and strong and healthy and, you know, made smart choices. And that was kind of how it is. But I didn't give a whole lot of thought to how I was because it was so different. You know, yeah. I grew up with mom and dad. 
she she from day one was hopping back and forth between her, me and her mom. So she never experienced that. I think she, uh, I think when she got to preschool and realized some people's parents lived together, she thought that was weird. She's like, right. what? wait, your parents mm-hmm. are the same house? How's that work? But um, yeah, I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah, I like it. I say Tony's got a daughter too. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I feel the same way too. I'm uh, like. Oh, if I was going to raise a boy, like there's so much more responsibility, oh, it yeah. seems like, to make sure that they're not like destructive yeah. and, like, <laughs> and well, like. It is. They're totally different. It, and um, are you allowed to say that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 they are, though. So, like, uh, two examples I think of right away. So, I have another older sister, but her, she has three boys that are all younger than Mallory. And when they were younger, she used to pick Mallory up once a week from school. And so I'd go in there and pick them up pick her up from my sister's house. I'd go downstairs, Mallory would be down there. The three boys would be in like nothing but their underwear, beating the hell out of each other, tackling and rolling over, and Mallory's just in there watching. I'm like, what in the hell is going on down here? But that's just how boys are. And then a good friend of mine, he's got two daughters and a son. When they were all young, we were out swimming, and the girls were doing their thing swimming. His boy was the youngest. I mean, he was like two or something. And he decided, screw it, and like beeline for the pool was gonna jump in. Cause he, I guess he thought he was ready. I don't know. Yeah. And if his boys are just different, they're like you said, they're wild, and you got to keep kind of keep them under control and all that kind of stuff. Those <laughs> can be nuts too, I guess. But so far, so good. That's awesome. And so, yeah, she's uh, 17 now. Yeah, so 17, 18 in October. Yeah. Wow. So it seems like School of Rock was kind of your calling. Uh huh. But before then, you had a lot of different jobs, and it seems as like you are still like genuinely fun and enjoying life regardless of what you were doing but did you feel like you know internally like you were like man this is still not exactly what I want for my life it's still not the career that I want or were you just really happy regardless of what job you had uh at the dealership you mean yeah like what was what was your mindset on it because for me like internally when I was working at like UPS or Mm -hmm. when I was like working at the hospital it was like killing me right I was like man i this is not yeah. it. Whatever this is, I don't want to do yeah. this for the rest of my life. I always felt trapped. Yes. Did you feel trapped, or did I, you like I, genuinely I, enjoy so everything? So I quit that you the did? dealership twice. I don't know if you guys know that. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, I quit twice. Um, the first time is because I felt like that, and mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of funny. So my first run after I graduated college, here's kind of a funny story for you. Give you a little insight on dad. So you know Matt was who Matt was growing up, and and I always made good grades. I never had to try mm-hmm. that hard. Made decent grades. Matt, you know, not so much. So my, my dad always, in his mind, thought, okay, Matt's a sales guy. Mark's the accountant, bean counter guy, like the Ryan Campbell, right? That's Mark, and here's Matt. Perfect, boom, 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 done. Um, and so I went to college, and, and the, actually the, the plan was, after I graduated college, was I was going to go work for a dealership in Indianapolis, a friend of my dad's, because he wanted us to have experience outside of the mm-hmm. family dealership before coming back and, and working there full-time. But his controller at the time had worked there for since he bought it. So he'd been with her for 20-some years. And she was like, I need to retire. I need to retire. It's time for me to retire. So he thought, well, I want to train Mark to take over her job. So I remember he called me. This is, this is how much thought I gave to my future in, in college. He called me at school one time. He's like, hey. He's like, really, Diane really wants to retire. He's like, I'm thinking you come back and, and work in the office and train under Diane to be a controller. What do you think? And I had no idea what the controller did. I knew she worked five days a week, nine to five, sat by the desk. I can do that. What the hell? I was like, all right, man, let's, let's roll. <laughs> and so I came back and started training to be the office manager. And I did that for three years, and that is when I felt like you did. I was like, this is the worst job I've ever had in my life, because it was a desk job, right? And it was it was it was nine to five or eight to five Monday through Friday. I was in, in the you know the office like where yeah. you go to get your time. Oh, that's what you were that doing. That was that. I was Mandy. I was Mandy Fetters. Fetters? Oh yeah, my gosh. That was gosh. my life for three years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it was the worst, man, and I hated it. Like I I stared at the clock every day, waiting for lunch to come. 
went took all 60 minutes of my one hour lunch, came back, waited till five o'clock, get the hell out of there. So at, so it was funny too, because my dad is a good salesperson. And I said, I, I think I knew pretty quickly. I was like, dad, this, this isn't for me. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You know, you're not, big picture, big picture down the road. It's gonna be different, but I'm like, okay. So a year in, I'm like, dad, I don't, I, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. And at this time we still just had one dealership. We had, it was Glenbrook Dodge, Hyundai. And so Dodge was the old Dodge store and Hyundai was kind of where the new dealership is now, it's just a little building. And um, so finally after three years, I was like, I can't take this anymore. I need to get the heck out of here. And so I left that first time, but then he, it's like the, uh, they say the Godfather, they, they pulled me back in, you know, but uh, so he got me to come back. Then he started buying more dealerships, you know, and then that's when he wanted me to come back in. And then, and so the rest is history. But to answer your question, you know, I didn't, I didn't, by the time you were there, I enjoyed my job. I was happy. All was well, you know what I mean? I kind of made peace with it. And plus what I was doing is totally different than being in the back office. Right crunching numbers all, you know, once a month. And, and honestly, what people ask me what I liked about the, the thing I liked the most was working with salespeople, helping them set goals, teaching them new things, getting them to come out of their shell and be able to talk to people. You know, yeah. that was what I enjoyed more than talking to customers, really. But um, but uh, I got to the point, especially once Mallory was born, that it was like, you know, I, I recognize that I, you know, I'm pretty lucky, you know, I've got this opportunity and, um, you know, I get to, I got to a point where I had a good schedule that I could do with her and all that stuff like that. So I wasn't miserable. I was I was happy. Everything was good. What, did I love the job? No. Did I love the car business? No. But I, I recognized what I had, and so I made the most of it and, and did the best I, I could with it. Um, the thing that it's, I think is kind of funny about it is uh, how I kind of knew. So whenever I was not at work and I'd run into people, oh, you're right. they start talking to me about cars and they want to ask about cars. I'm like, dude, I don't care about cars. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, have yeah. you heard this new band or have you seen this, you know? And so, um, so I wasn't passionate about cars, but people always want to talk to me about it. But, uh, but I wasn't miserable. I wasn't, I didn't feel trapped or anything like that. And honestly, I wasn't planning on leaving. Um, I just stumbled across School of Rock one day and I was like, what the heck is this? And so that was why I ended up leaving. I, there wasn't a plan and I was trying to get out of there or anything like that. Yeah, it looked like School of Rock is a franchise. Mm -hmm. And so how did you decide that you wanted to start it? And then uh, how much like how much startup capital did you need for like equipment, for yeah. buying the building, like yeah. that sort of thing? How'd you figure everything out? How'd you make the transition? How'd you take the leap of faith yeah. and even get started? Yeah. Well, that's a, a good question. It's a good story too. Um, and so one thing I just thought of uh, to kind of lead into that, speaking of my daughter and speaking of passion and all that kind of thing, uh, so I had been thinking about, I think I'd already discovered School of Rock at this point, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But Mallory was young and she, they took her on a field trip to some, I don't know, some museum or something. And she, I go pick her up from school afterwards, she's like, hey dad, look at this, I took these pictures for you. I was like, oh, what do you got? And it was all these pictures of these old cars. And she thought I was excited about these old cars because I'm in the car business. And I remember, I felt so bad, like when she showed that to me, I was like, I'm a fraud to my daughter. Cause she thinks I'm something that I'm not, right? And I just, I don't know, it just made me feel bad, right? Yeah. Which I acted excited when I looked at the pictures, but it was like, I don't care about those cars. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that that you know, it kind of yeah, shakes, it rattles something yeah. in you a little bit. But but this story is is it takes some time, but it's pretty good, I think. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and it's not about I don't mean it because of me, but um, just saying how the world works sometimes. Yep. So I have a good friend. His name is Fabio Vegas. Believe that with a name like mm -hmm. Fabio Vegas, you should be. You should be famous. But anyway, uh, he uh, is kind of how I got into playing. He's, he's a phenomenal guitar player. Always way better than I ever was. Was always better than me. And that's, and, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I got good. And one of the reasons why I love what School of Rock does and the way we teach versus like traditional lessons. Because I started playing. I wasn't that great. And he was already playing a couple of years before me. 
And so when I'd go over to his house, like, oh, he's way better than me. I have to try to keep up with him, you know what I mean? And then I switched to bass after a while, and then we'd be learning songs. I was like, man, I can't, like, not be as good as him and not keep up. And so he kind of always pushed me to, to be better because he was better than I was. Um, and so what had happened was he, uh, when we were in high school, he got accepted to two music schools. And IU was one of them. I can't remember the other. And he was he had to audition to get accepted and all this stuff. He got accepted to both, and he was trying to decide which school he was going to go to. So it was right near the end of the school year. I was like, hey, so did you decide which one are you going to? And he said, well, you know, I'm going to stay in town. I'm going to go to IPFW for computers. I'm like, what? That's a weird left turn. Like, why on God's green earth did you do that? Well, I just think it makes more sense. And I knew it was, it was weird. Well, he had also just started dating this girl here in town. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I was like, Faf. I was like, if you guys are in love, that in love, you'll be in love in four years. Go to music school. No, it's not about that. I swear. Yo, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. <laughs> so fast forward, married, two kids. Now they're divorced. He's remarried somebody else uh, living in Indy area, doing accounting for... Uh, Somebody. Anyway, um, so that's that's a side story we'll come back to. So I'm just, yeah, School Rock's a franchise. You know, it's crazy. They've grown a ton. There's 300 schools around the world now. There's wow. 165 when I opened, so they've grown that fast. Jeez. But um, never heard of it. I have no idea. In, in marketing works, right? But I never heard of it. I'm online one day, and I just I just stumble across it. I'm like, what is this? I've never heard of this before. This is kind of cool. And because we do lessons differently. It's, it's performance-based. So they get students playing together right away. So I went to their website, and they had, like, the little thing we could fill out to learn more about mm-hmm. it. So I filled it out because I was just interested to learn more. So they call me up, and they say, yeah, well, you know, before we do anything, we really need to do an evaluation of Fort Wayne and see if it's a viable place to open one, and then we can give you some information. Like, okay, whatever. So they do that, and they call me back. Yeah, it seems like we're, it would be a good place to do it. Um, here, fill out this franchise application. And then I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just, I just want some information. I'm not trying to fill out, <laughs> give you all my credit score and all that right. stuff. I was like, whatever. So I just put on the back burner and just kind of forgot about it, right? So <clears throat> I go down to Indy to visit Fabio to go to a concert, right? So we go down there. We go to a concert. We're hanging out. We go back to his place. We're sipping vodkas late into the night just talking about life. And he's like, man, he's like, you know what? I hate my job. Like, I, I hate it. I wish I would have stayed in music. And I'm like, well, if you hate your job, quit. I can't do that. I was like, well, if you hate it that much, just quit. Well, what am I going to do? Work at the Guitar Center? I'm like, I don't know anything. <laughs> and I was, and then I remembered School of Rock. I was like, hey, have you heard of School of Rock? He's like, yeah. I was like, do something like that. I can't do that. And I was like... Can you cuss on this podcast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're a pussy, man. Come on. <laughs> if you hate your job, quit. Uh, I was like, all right, whatever. So the next day I woke up, you know, sobered up a little bit. I'm like, you know what? I don't love my job. I was like, who am I to give him a hard time? He's just doing what he thinks is right because it's it's secure. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all I'm doing. So what? who am I to give him a hard time for not quitting? I don't quit. And and I, I'm sure it was just in their follow-up system. But I literally was having that thought. And the next day I got a follow-up email from School of Rock. I'm oh, like, what? Oh, my gosh. Like, that's weird, you know? It just seemed weird to me that that happened. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to fill out the franchise application see what happens. That's what I did. So I just filled the whole thing out, sent it in, boom, done. So they, they called me back. and like, all right, so we need to do a phone interview with you. Uh, and then that would be the next step. I'm like, okay, great. So they call. We do this phone interview. It actually wasn't that in-depth. We talked about stuff for a while. And then, like, okay, we're going to tell you more about the school and what's all involved. And they told me that's kind of when I really got the rundown of how it works, all the programs they offer and all this stuff. And literally after that happened, I was just sold. I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I'm in right now. And this call happened in the, my office upstairs at, at Hyundai. And I hung up the phone, and I picked up my cell, and I texted my dad. Literally right after I hung up the phone, I said, hey, are you going to be at this dealership tomorrow? He said, yeah. I said, good, I need to talk to you. And I was like, you might as well have Ryan there, too. And he's like, okay. And so they sent me a PowerPoint presentation of, the, 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 of what they showed me. And I just went to his office, and I showed him the whole thing. And he goes, sounds like you want to do it. And I was like, well, I kind of do. He's like, all right. 
And that was awesome. that was literally what he said. Like he said, "All right," and that was like the end of the conversation between not the end of it, but I mean that was that yeah. was as much pushback I got from him. And then Ryan tried to play devil's advocate a little bit, you know, went back and forth and all yep. that stuff. But he was like, "Do it." And his his thing was like, "You know what? Don't don't talk about it with anybody until you know for sure it's going to happen. Because once you know for sure, we'll announce it and all that stuff. Because but yeah. for now, do what you ever have to do to get it going and all that stuff." So after that, I had to jump through some hoops with the franchise. So the first thing was, and it was funny because everything I did just kind of solidified, like, yes, I want to do it. Yes, I want to do this. So the second thing I had to do was, like, okay, got to visit a school so that way you can kind of see what a school's like. So there's a school. that He actually owns three now, a, a guy that I know. He owns a school in Carmel, School of Rock Carmel, and he now has one Carmel, Fishers, and Zionsville. Wow. And um, so I went down to his school one weekend, and it was a weekend at Mallory, and she was nine, and so I took her with me, you know. And so we went down there, and it happened to be one of the weekends that they were having their seasonal show. So I got to go down to their school, see kind of the school in action, the kids rehearsing, all that kind of stuff. And then we went and hung around Carmel for the day. And then that, that night, we went to a school rock show. And again, I got to see these kids. Like, dude, it's like, this yeah. is awesome. I was like, yeah. I want to do this. All right. So that was step, step two. Step three was I had to meet the executive board. And at the time, their headquarters were in Chicago. And so you would drive to Chicago to talk to all these people. Well, one cool thing that School of Rock does is they have a tie-in with uh, Summerfest, and that's a, a concert up in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. That's like a two-week-long concert. It has like I don't know, 50, yeah. 40, 50 bands, all different genres. Well, School of Rock students get to perform at Summerfest, up wow. there, which is really cool. And so they're like, okay, normally we meet in Chicago. This was in the summer. And they're like, but we're all going to be in Milwaukee for Summerfest. You want to just meet us up there? I'm like, okay. So I go up there, I meet with them, and then the next day they take me to Summerfest. I'm like watching these School of Rock kids from all over the country play. I'm like, dude. What the heck? And I'm like, so everything I did was like yeah. one step further. So after that meeting, they called me like, yeah, we want you to be an owner. You got to find a location. You got to get rolling, all this stuff. Let's go. So once I made the decision, I was like, this is, I'm doing this. And it was like all my focus just kind of was on that going forward. And so um, so then they kind of helped you. They help you find a location. They help you do that stuff. I may say they help. They do that kind of loosely. But they give you some <laughs> parameters. Like here's the size that you're going to need. Yep. Here's kind of like the areas you want to be like near neighborhoods and schools. You want to be like, you know, in some off, weird off spot. Um, and so one of the hardest things for me was finding a location. You know what I mean? I was all over the place. I made offers on a couple of places and all that kind of stuff. So finding a location was, was rough. I, I took out a business loan. To, to, I didn't have all the money just sitting there collecting dust. Um, so I actually took out a, a business loan to, you know, pay the franchise fee and, and uh, buy all the equipment and all that kind of stuff. Luckily, the building I got uh, into doesn't need a ton of didn't need a ton of work. So I did spend some money, like, you know, building some rooms and painting and fixing it up yep. a little bit. Um, but all that came out of this, this business loan that I had. And then, um, so I did that, and, and then I found the location, uh, and then I uh, fixed up a little bit and bought, I think I had to get, like, 20000 some dollars worth of, like, music equipment, you know what I mean? Wow. That the kids all treat like shit and beat the hell out of them. <laughs> and, uh, and so got that going. But, but it was funny because they, I remember one of their guys came to Fort Wayne, and because me and dad talked about it, and once it was official that I was going to do it, he's like, okay, your last day will be July 31st. I think my last week, July 30th, or something like that. And so this guy comes to Fort Wayne, he's helped me find a location. He's like, yeah, based on how things usually work, I figure you'll be up and running by like Christmas, maybe December. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> no. I was like, I need to be up before that. I was like, I'm out of a job in like two months, man. Yeah. I was like, I was thinking back to school, like, let's be in the fall. I was like, what? He's like, it never happens that quick. I was like, I think it's September. Yep. He's like, nah, that's too soon. I'm like, he's like, I'm like, October? He's like, Maybe the end of October. I'm like, all right. Well, my grand opening one is on October 31st, right? Oh, uh, yep. And so I got it in October. But um, to this day, like I'll have, because when I did training, there were these people that had been trying to open a school in Seattle. Like they started before me and they opened after me. And and people were like, man, I've never seen a school open that quick. 
And I'm like, oh. because I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. This is, all, this is everything now. And like, when I was getting the build out, I was I was there every day. Like, yep. what's this? Why are you doing that? What, isn't this supposed to be painted with it? And she's like, normally people tell us what to do. They leave. Yeah. And they come back when it's done, and they just make sure it looks good. She's like, you're not supposed to be here every day looking at it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But, uh, but uh, so yeah, took out a business loan to get the money. Had to buy a bunch of equipment and do a little fixing up. And obviously hire instructors and stuff like that. Um, and then started uh, on October 31st with zero students and we worked our way up to 150 and and it fluctuates in between there and, and we always have like a little summer law and then it'll be back up in the fall and, and that kind of stuff. Jeez, yeah, there's a ton of lessons there. I, I wanna point out a couple for people. So one thing in sales that I've been telling salespeople because I've been training salespeople now and we obviously have a sales guy too. There's one thing that you said there that's very, very, very important. I feel like sales guys, once they learn a lot of this stuff, they try to get to the close. They're like, dude, I learned this close. Let me just get right to it. Mm -hmm. But dude, it sales is not about closing people and making a decision right there. Because if they would have put pressured you uh -huh. right in the beginning, dude, you'd have been like, no, F you guys. Like, yeah. I'm not doing this. But they got you to the next step. That's right. the most important thing. What's the next step? Yep. What's the next step? What's the next step? And if you're just inching, that then the close is gonna be so much easier. So yeah. that's very important for salespeople to remember. Get them to the next step. Don't worry about closing it. Get them to the next step. Close when you can. Yeah. But if not, get them to the next that's step. And point. then. Uh, um, and so I recognized I was being sold, but I welcomed it. Exactly. Yeah. You're just like, dude, I'll keep going. They weren't trying to sell you a car. Yeah. That's what they were trying to. Yeah. They were trying to get you to open a right. school of rock franchise. Yeah. And you're like, well, ultimately, I kind of. Yeah. yeah. As want long as this yeah. thing. Yeah. Exactly. As long as you actually want the thing, you're yeah. like they're doing you a service like uh, they're actually helping you like oh, sure. this is like one of the best thing well i don't you i, I can't speak for you but right. it seems like one of the best things that's ever happened in your life oh, yeah, and like one sure. of the best decisions you made so really them selling you uh -huh. actually benefited your life in like a great positive way that now you get to make an impact so as long mm -hmm. as like they're just helping you to realize what you want then that's what sales is is helping people to make decisions that they ultimately said that they wanted anyway just reminding back to them what they said but one other thing you said is uh it basically things take as long as you think they're gonna take right i remember uh my house took me two weeks to remodel and it was the same thing as yours it was dumb like I, if looking back now if we would have tried to flip a house and like and done everything that i thought we did in my house it was crazy but i was there up until four in the morning and then i don't know if you were there or not no you weren't you were gone but i was still working so i would stay up till two, three, four, Tony was there a lot, mm -hmm. Peyton late at night, and then go back to work the next morning. And then it took two weeks and we got it done just in the right amount of time. So like, that's another important thing is like, things take as long as you think they're gonna take and like, right. you can make it happen even if nobody else has, like you can push. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think it's awesome that uh, they got the name School of Rock. I imagine they'd have to yeah. like, have paid in so order to- So the school to... actually existed before the movie. Oh. The, first school, the first school opened in 1998. The movie came out like in 03 or something like that. So the first school opened in 1998, East Coast, Philadelphia area, and then they kind of spread out through the East Coast. And then the movie came out, and then they kind of took off after that. But mm. yeah, the school was first, then the movie. So a lot of people say, how'd you guys get that name? Like, well, the name, we actually had it first, and then, then wow. the movie came along. Yeah. Well, good for that company, yeah. too. Yeah, that for, movie, yeah. That helped so much. Oh, it and had then, to have. And then I think it's really cool, too, here in Fort Wayne, like, Sweetwater is actually a really big international company. No doubt. And it's so convenient for your business that it's like here and then folks who are music folks move up here. Right. And like you, you just have so many people who want to pick up a guitar and oh, play yeah. because they're like, oh, I went into Sweetwater and, you know, I've been thinking about getting a drum set again. And then yeah. I got a drum set and yeah. then I saw there was this school available. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweetwater is dangerous, man. I walk in there and it's hard to not walk out. Yeah. <laughs> Dropping uh, too much money. Yeah. 
So uh, what would you say, just on a personal level or a business level, mm -hmm. what's your biggest struggle right now? Well, on a business level, I think this has kind of been it forever. And it's finding good people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you find good people. And uh, music instructors are different. You know what yes. I mean? Oh, like, for it, sure. It's a totally different deal. They're weird. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. and, and that's good. Yep. But it is, it's just, it is, it's just hard to find them. You know what I mean? Like, because they, you know, they have a different type of lifestyle, different schedule and all that kind of stuff. And they're not running around, you know. And, and it's it's also like, it, they're harder to, you know, you don't really place an ad for a music instructor in a regular indeed.com or something like that. I mean, you can, and it works sometimes. But but just finding good people. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's always been my biggest struggle um, is finding good people. For me personally right now, uh, so I, I, need to, I need to let go a little bit. I need to detach <laughs> a little bit and, like, give other people some room uh, otherwise I won't grow right uh, I'm trying to do too much uh, and I know it sounds kind of like I don't know, stupid but anyway um, so when you open a school and they tell you that you need three things in addition to all your instructors and show directors you need a general manager a music director and a studio coordinator your general manager your general manager does everything music director is kind of the back end picks what shows you're doing you know make sure the lessons run right studio coordinator is a front of house person that does all the scheduling and stuff I was like yeah I can do all three of those things <laughs> and so I did all three of those things. Jeez. And to this day, I finally have a studio coordinator. But I even like, you know, like, here's an example. When the phone rings, I want to answer it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and I'll train somebody how to hand, handle the phone call. But if I'm there, I want to answer it. So I train you, train you, train you, train you. And the phone rings, no, I got it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, so I need to, like, all right, let them do their stuff. Because my goal would be to ultimately maybe open another school somewhere or something like that. Yeah. Right now, I, there's no way I could do that with as much stuff as I'm physically, personally doing. Yep. And and I in the beginning, I didn't even run shows. Now I'm running shows, yep. and I'm running our house band and doing all these things. And so uh, I need to do more of what I actually did at the dealership and, and, and more, teaching, yeah, yep. more teaching and letting people do it and trust that they're going to do it right yep. instead of trying to do everything. Because it is such a smaller scale, but you get to a point where you can only do so much. And it's like, all right, if I intend to grow this, I'm going to have to like let go of some of that and, and let other people do it. So that's that's literally a, like my current thought, the thing that I've been thinking about now and, and even talking to my studio coordinator about. And like, it, especially with the fact that Mallory's about to graduate, I'm like, okay, if I need to start planning for this now, because when she's gone in a year, I want to be set up, ready to where I can like back off a little bit and then enjoy my time or open another school or whatever you know what i mean yep. so those are those those are my challenges currently that's awesome that's that's a big struggle that i see i would say most people around here like when you go to other cities and stuff and then like we were with a lot of big business people or whatever uh -huh. um they're usually a little bit better at it but that's a that's a huge struggle around here especially because you know we're from the midwest and like you know we're just strap up our boots and we just mm. put in the work and we'll grind and grind and grind and then uh it's hard to let go and let somebody else do it but yeah. that's a huge that's a that's a very common thing you're yeah, working and, working in your business versus working on yeah, your business I'm and i think about that it's all like, the time like that's exactly what i'm doing and, and part of it too is you know you get you, start you love it you think you're great though too yeah. like, i do it better than everybody uh, else so for i sure. need to do all that. i should run all sorts i do it the best but I, I read something and it was like, and I can't, I can't remember the terminology, but it was something about the, the expectation that you have because say you train somebody up to, a, to an eight or something like that, right? Yep. And, and you know you're a 10, okay? Yep. So, uh, so you are afraid that this customer comes and they're gonna experience this eight instead of this 10, right? Yep. But you're worried about the eight to 10, which you don't realize is they come in with a five expectation and they're getting an eight. Yep. So you don't need to worry about the difference between, you know, this person and you, you need to worry about their expectation of what probably will happen and what you're delivering on that. So you might not want the people with a 10 expectation, anyways. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, he's the 10 expectation. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, 
you don't necessarily oh, need you're your customer. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I'm with customers. Oh, customers. yeah, for sure. But I'm saying you don't necessarily need to have your person to be at a 10 to be to, for, to impress somebody because yeah. they might go in expecting a five. Like, no question. What they're, used to, what they're used to getting and what your person delivers, is if that's better than what they're used to, even though it's not, you're the only one that knows they're not getting you. Yep. But they're getting way better than what average is, I exactly. guess is what my point is saying. So Yeah, I was saying, and then uh, whenever I heard another quote um, or just like another saying basically about people whenever you're hiring them, if you can, you know, get two eights and then that person is going to now learn from two different people, that's still better than a 10 from you because, yeah. like, you know, it's going to come together more. So yeah. as long as you're training them, bring them on right, and, like, they're treating them good, they should actually do better. And that's something that we're kind of thinking about now is, like, we're pulling out of the business. Hopefully by the end of the year we'll be all the way out. And I'm thinking, like, man, it might actually get more efficient and make more money, even though not everybody's good at every single thing right. better. They only have one thing to focus yeah. on, though. Yeah. So you're focused on a million different things. And even though you're better at every single one of them, yeah. you're trying to do so many that if they just focus on one they might actually do it better than what you can because you're better at that but you're pulled to other places yeah, nope totally understand that's yeah. what our future flipper coach we have a, a flipping coach okay. out in vegas uh -huh. and he would he had some people on a podcast and they talked about how 70 plus 70 equals 140 right so if you're 100 percent good at a job but yeah. you hire two people you yeah. end up getting more output yep, yep. and then i remember uh, austin chevron he's a real estate guy in town he actually said some of this stuff with me a lot um, he said, I'd rather have you mess it up than me do it. And like, right. that's kind of where I'm getting at. It's like, all right, dude, you guys mess it up. Yeah. And like, it's still better than me having to do it right. at this point, because like, I, I can't, I can't do anymore. And then, yeah. uh, you know, they talk about it like, dude, I don't know how you were working in a dealership doing this, doing that. I was like, well, one, we were doing like one tenth of the deals that we're doing right. now because the capacity wasn't there. And like, it was so inconsistent. Yeah. And so like, when you bring those people on, man, I think, uh, yeah, it'll be it's gonna be good, but I'm glad you shared that because that's honestly like, I would say the most common thing that people get to, they get to where you're at. They grow a great business, they love it, they're passionate about it, but now it's actually consuming their life yeah. into where they can't like figure out, okay, what is the next step? So that would be one question, I guess. What is like the big vision for you? What's your like next steps or yeah. what are you thinking? Yeah, well, you know, so for me, it is. So, uh, you know, I guess the goal, here's my goal. Here's what I'd love. This is, this is the dream for now, yep. the, the first dream. I would love to go to a School of Rock Fort Wayne show, seasonal show, as a spectator, mm. right? Mm -hmm. I get to walk in right before the show starts, order a beer, watch the show, when it's done, leave, right? Mm -hmm. Not all the stuff that leads up to it, yep. then load up all the gear, then get there at 9.30 in the morning, set all the gear up, and then do sound check, and make sure the kids are on time, and who's here, and who's that, da, 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 da. I mean, it's a full day. I, we actually got a show coming on the uh, 13th. You guys should come. It's it's a freaking all day. Fair. We get there at 9 30 in the morning, but it starts at 1. It'll go to 8 o'clock at night. I mean, okay. and then, then we've got to tear down, go back to the school, unload. I mean, it's a. So I want. So I told you I visited that school and got to watch her show. I want to do that yeah. for, one, for my school. Like, yep. I want to be able to just watch my school. And I wouldn't be able to do that until it, it, everything else is running on its own. Like, I'm, I'm put on a whole show. So the, so the dream is to go to a School Rock Fort Wayne show. As, a, as an audience member, not having to do anything. Get a, go walk in, watch the show, drink a beer, walk out at the end, say, great job, everybody, and then, and then go on with my night. But anyway, um, so for me, really, a lot of it has to do with Mallory. So she's going to be a senior this year, so she's going to graduate next year. So um, my, my goal is to, in this next year, to get it to school to where it's kind of running without me having to be there all the time. Yep. So I can have some free time. I can tell you I rode my motorcycle today. I like to go on more bike trips. I went on more yeah. bike trips at the dealership than I do now because <laughs> I had more freedom. You know what I mean? Now it's yep. like, gosh. And um, so I'd like to do that kind of thing. And then eventually maybe open another school, um, maybe someplace a little south of here. It's a little warmer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it would be cool to 
kind of get go down south and open a school there because obviously for a new school i have to spend a lot of time at the new school all right so i could be down there yep. getting that up and running it would be so much easier the second time because oh, yeah. i mean the first i literally had no clue what i was doing and then knowing what i know now just you could attack it so much more efficiently and that kind your, of stuff your original birthplace in miami uh, Can I, it go back i don't know about that <laughs> south uh, potentially I don't, they, there's actually already schools in miami in the area mm. but uh i've looked at some locations but um but uh, maybe somewhere between here and there but, uh, but it would be cool to be down there and then, uh, you know, get that going and then, you know, hop back and forth between here and there. I think yep. I think that would be kind of the, the dream would be once Mallory gets away to school, actually utilize a little more free time, maybe, you know, waste some time going on some bike trips. And then yep. if I did open a second one, that one I could take my time, right? Not have yep. to be like, this is my, ne- I, I'm out of a job. You right. know what I mean? Take my time, find the spot, set it, set it up right, get it all, you know, dialed in, have, have a big grand opening, do it up, and then have the two and hop back and forth. And that, that's that's kind of the big picture dream for me. That's awesome. I'll say yeah. it's interesting how like it's exciting, but then you also feel that pressure and urgency and like uh, it, it does take a little bit of a toll on your uh, mental stress a little bit. Cause oh, like yeah. you got so much pressure, like, man, I gotta make this work. We gotta get it done. Yeah. Like it's the only thing you can think about. And yeah. like, I've noticed that uh, actually Ryan and I were just talking about it. There's a different kinds of people. You're the kind of person that you can't sleep because you know it needs to get done. There's mm-hmm. other people that like will just sit there and like play on their phone all day and not want to accomplish anything. And uh, it's interesting. But yeah, yeah, hopefully next time you go to do it, you can like just all right. We got this other one going. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just gonna chill into yeah. it. This one's gonna be like my fun school yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> yeah. So the the concert is the 13th. August this 13th. Yeah. Where's August it at? Pierre's. Pierre's. We go to real rock clubs, put on real rock shows, and real beer. Yeah, they got they real <laughs> beer, mixed drinks, and everything. So I tell people like when I talk to parents about, it, I was like, yeah, mom, dad can go order a burger and a beer, watch kids rock out. It's not like the old uh, dance recitals I used to have to sit through for my sisters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's fun. So what's cool about it is we have, I mean, we have programs for kids that are preschool age all, all the way through adults, but this our performance program, which is like our core program, every show we do has a specific theme. So they have a, a theme, songs that fit that theme, they put on a show, and as soon as that show happens, we start a new season and we start rehearsing for the next show. And so we did something fun, we have three performance groups, so we did something fun, um, this season it was a summer music festival, so each show is a different music festival. So one of them is a Woodstock show, so the oh, kids nice. are playing all music from Woodstock, Another one's a Live Aid show, so they're all playing songs from Live Aid. I don't know if you remember, from the 80s, so you had everybody from... Oh, I remember Queen. Yeah, Queen, yeah. Queen, you know what I mean? Eric Clapton. Um, actually, Hugh Lewis was there. Um, <laughs> and, and a bunch of other people. And then one's doing a Lollapalooza show, so you got oh, your nice. early 90s stuff. Yep. And then we have an adult group, and they're doing Farm Aid, so that's everything from Johnny Cash to Willie Nelson. And yeah. Nice. So all different styles of music, right? And so we do it, what we call festival style, where we'll do it all day. And so our Woodstock show is at 1 o'clock. Our uh, Live Aid shows at 3 o'clock. Our Lollapalooza shows at 5 o'clock. And then the Farm Aid, the adults go last at 7. But we also have younger kids in what we call Rock 101. And, you know, they're not quite as far along. With them, it's not really about working toward the show. It's just learning to play your instrument and learning to play together as a group. But we still let them get on stage and perform so they can get, you know, some exposure. So we'll have our Rock 101 students hop on stage in between each show and play three songs. So it'll be like, you know, we'll have Woodstock and then a couple of Rock 101 kids play and take a little break. And then Live Aid, some more Rock 101 kids. And then a little break. And then Lollapalooza, more Rock 101 kids. And then our adults. And then the day's over. You tear it all down, take back to school, you load it back up, and you're ready for rehearsal Monday morning. Dang. That's awesome. So, yeah, you can come anytime between 1 and, and 6, and you'll see kids on stage doing their thing. It's a good time. That's awesome. Well, do you want to wrap up? Yeah, we'll give okay. me some closing questions. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there a, uh, a book or a podcast or a, um, any kind of you know, personal development type thing that you would recommend that everybody needs to read? 
Is there is there one really good one? That's a great question. Uh, I've, I've, I'm fickle because I, I hop around and all that kind of stuff. One that really did a lot for me recently, and this is not so much a motivational thing, but I, so I got the business up and going, right? And then I started making money. I told you I had this business loan, right? Yep. So I started making money and I didn't get to keep any of it. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> so I was paying all these damn loans and the interest back and I had the f- f- my first car payment in yep. however many years. So I was like, I went from a mortgage period to a mortgage, a car payment, a yep. business loan. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I stumbled across Dave Ramsey. Yep. I don't know if you guys listen to Dave. Oh yeah. But I, I don't know how I stumbled. I saw him on YouTube or something like that. And I listened to him religiously podcast for like a year. And I'd set a goal for myself to be debt free and I did it like in half the time that I had planned just because I was just focused. I was like, man, I'm, I'm doing this. So if anybody has got any monetary like struggles or whatever, it, for me, Dave Ramsey really changed things for me a lot because I didn't have any debt. Um, but as far as like, you know, motivational sales stuff, I haven't listened to a, a lot of it lately. I've kind of been, I did a lot when I was at the dealership, not so much now. I think I'm getting sucked into the whole political hole. I've been listening to a lot of that kind of stuff. Yep. So I don't know that I want to recommend anybody listen to what I listen to. But, uh, <laughs> but that's what you know, my head's been lately. Do you know Jordan Peterson? Yeah. Well, so, he's on the show. Oh, Jordan, okay. Well, because what I was going to say is I'm a subscriber to the Daily Wire, and he just joined the Daily Wire. I don't know if you know yep. that. But I was listening to Ben Shapiro for a long time, Michael Knowles and those guys. It's a little unfortunate. I was kind of hoping that Jordan wouldn't affiliate himself with the side because mm. he did such a good job of, right. like, making himself neutral yeah mm-hmm. and then he got kind of pushed yeah. into like the I think, conservative I think a side lot of people did really but what i like about him is he, he's very matter of fact you know what i mean like he's not he's yeah. not like you said he's not obviously pushing for one side or another he just states facts logic and, yeah, yeah. yeah logical stuff very matter of fact and so that's that's cool but uh yeah i know dave ramsey was a big one for me um that i listened to a lot books one that i uh was really good for me was good to great i don't know if you guys ever read yeah. that one but that one was uh, a good one and uh, as far as business goes, uh, I've, I've read it twice, actually, and I've yet to implement it. So that's the thing is you can read till the cows come up if you yep. don't do anything. But there's a book called The Pumpkin Plan. Mm. You guys heard of The Pumpkin Plan? Mm. It, it, I read it once. When Smashing I was, pumpkins. No, no. <laughs> I read it once when I was at the dealership and then didn't do it because it, you'd have to actually dig in and do it. And then I read it again at, when I after opened the school. And basically, this guy figured out how people build these award-winning giant pumpkins. You know, those huge pumpkins. That oh, yeah. You know, like, yep, the massive. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so there's all these steps they have to do. And, and part of it is like, uh, and, he, and he, you know, assimilates it to business. So part of it is like, you have to get all the, first of all, you have to find the best seeds, right? You got to plant the best seeds. And then when the smaller pumpkins are grown on the vine, you got to pluck them off because they suck the energy from the bigger pumpkins, mm. right? And there's this whole step about it. And so th- this guy, he started off, it's actually, you guys would find it interesting. Like he started off trying to make it in, I think, in finance or something like that and wasn't doing very well. And then started talking to these pumpkin guys. And then he got this business, he blew it up, sold it, and then started doing that same thing to other businesses. So he would buy a business, blow it up using the pumpkin plan, wow. and then sell other businesses. And there's, there's a lot of steps. I'm leaving a ton out. But, uh, but that's a good one that I've actually read twice and I've yet to actually execute on. So that's, that's a good one. I'd say if you're in business that you could read, especially okay. a small business or something. I like awesome. it. So our last question is usually pretty deep. Okay. So 50 years from now, you're on your deathbed. Yeah. You get to deliver a final message to the world. Gotcha. So it could be a charge. It could be a mantra, a paragraph, a sentence. Um, it could be a billboard, your legacy. What message do you think that the world needs to hear? What do you have to say? Uh, I think something, um, have you ever had a paradigm shift? You've heard of the term paradigm shift? Mm-hmm. Like all your life you think one way and all of a sudden something just breaks. Um, I used to think 
that life was something that happened to me, right? Like I'm walking around and my life is happening to me. Mm-hmm. And then one day, I don't know how I realized this, but life doesn't happen to me. I happen to life, mm-hmm. right? Nobody makes me do anything. I can do whatever I want, really. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the one thing I'd say is life doesn't happen to you. You happen to life. And so you could decide whatever that is. And so that's probably what I would leave it, leave it at. Awesome. Love it, dude. That's so funny, man. I feel like we have a lot of the similar uh, quotes because uh, Ed Milet has another quote, uh, life happens for you, not to you. Okay. And it's like the very similar concept. Right. Like, it's just like I've noticed, and this is something that I actually want to help implement more to like honestly poor people because I grew up extremely poor. Yeah. But I've noticed that people like you and the successful people is honestly all their mindset. It's the way that they think about everything. So everything that you say aligns with everything that like successful people think and it's all mindset is number one yeah doesn't matter what you're doing or like whether you're good at business or whether anything like it's all about your mindset whether you're gonna have good relationships good life like happy like all of that stuff has to do with the way that you frame the way that you look at your life right yeah you frame it really good (laughs) (laughs) how can our listeners get a hold of you uh, well, I mean, if you go to our website at fortwayne.schoolofrock.com, um, all our information's on there, and we're around the corner of Coldwater and Wallen Road if they're interested in learning music or something like that, or if they just want to shoot the breeze, I guess. And just make sure you come to Pierre's yeah. August 13th. August 13th. show starts at 1, but like I said, it'll go till 8 o'clock at night, so hop in anytime and encourage the kids. We, we try to get the kids a good crowd. Yeah. They love it. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's next level stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners? Uh, thanks for listening to me. If you did this long, uh, I appreciate it. My first podcast, so you got you were there to experience it. I hope you enjoyed it. Yep. <laughs> and thanks, thanks guys for having me. Yeah, we can, we can clip it up later too and tag you on some of the some oh, of yeah. the clips. That's you know, some just, good stuff. Yeah, you, okay. you had some good bits in there. I was worried a little bit on like your your fingers. I'm like, oh no, he's talking loud. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thank you guys for watching. We appreciate you guys. If you guys liked this, please leave us a five-star review. We've not been asking for enough reviews, so please help us out. Like, comment, share. Let us know your favorite part, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.